0: Strip off your pride, you're acting like a teeny bopper on the way, shy. Scrape off the paint from the face of
1: a little town saint. Welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb, your host. I'm a high school teacher.
0: And I'm Robert Robb, a columnist for the Arizona Republic, and Billy's dad.
1: That song is not the Arizona official song. That song was written by Kenny Young uh, and sung by Mark Lindsay in 1970. And it's not about Arizona, uh, but it's a love song about a girl named Arizona. But it's fitting, I think, on Valentine's Day, the day we also celebrate the birthday of Arizona. Arizona became the 48th state on February 14th, 1912. And this is going to be a tribute episode to Arizona. We'll start out with a brief history of statehood. Shout out some notable figures and some di- distinguishing features of Arizona right now. And then I'll try to stump my dad with some Arizona <laughs> trivia towards the You can go far enough back and it can be easy. <laughs> so for the quick, very quick history I'm fresh off of a a field trip recently to the Arizona Capitol Museum, which is very interesting. highly recommend people go visit the Arizona Capitol Museum. They take you through the history in in different rooms as it's gone, the the territorial history, and a couple things I learned new that— the first proposed territory, it was uh, kind of east-west border with the northern part being New Mexico, the top half of, of what's now Arizona, and the top half of what's now New Mexico. Um, but with the disputes with the, the north and south and the Civil War, eventually, it was signed into law by Lincoln, uh, the current border of the territorial border of Arizona. And Arizona, people always wanted to become a state, um, but the original proposal uh, for statehood combined Arizona and New Mexico but Arizona voters uh, overwhelmingly rejected that proposal and it failed. And then finally on our own uh, got approved to statehood and was signed by President Taft on February 14th, 1912. And that's how we got here. <laughs> and let's shout out though some some people in Arizona that have uh, made a positive impact in Arizona and on us personally. Dad, who do you want to shout out?
0: Um, well, in terms of politicians, uh, it would be John Kyle and Alfredo Gutierrez. Uh, I, I, they are outstanding uh, leaders, uh, skilled legislators, and in politics for the right reasons. Uh, both of them were deep on the issues uh, and committed to playing politics in a way that advanced what they thought were in the best interest in the country and the state, uh, with respect to Kyle, and uh, for the state with respect to Alfredo Gutierrez.
1: And Kyle was a first in in the House representatives. I know he's a longtime Arizona senator.
0: Yeah, he was first elected uh, to the Arizona House of Representatives, if memory serves, in 1986, and then to the U.S. Senate in 1992. Um, When I uh, first started uh, being involved in Arizona politics in the mid-1970s, Alfredo was the minority leader um, in the Arizona Senate. Now, these days, minority leaders in the Arizona legislature have no influence, Mm -hmm. uh, but Alfredo uh, was extraordinarily skilled, despite leading the minority party, of identifying opportunities where Democrats could make a difference. And when those opportunities presented themselves, he was able to advance uh, what he thought was um, an agenda uh, best for the state a more liberal agenda than either John Kyle or I would be uh, likely to uh, advance uh, but uh, one that was heartfelt and it wasn't small ball politics uh, he used the opportunities that he identified and created uh, to do big things uh, that he thought wasn't were important he was the most skilled legislator I've seen in over forty years
1: hmm. is there anything different about the dynamics of the legislature now that you think would make that hard, or do you think it was just uh, things are the same, but he was just really good at at, at bringing people together and making making things happen I have uh, both uh,
0: as we've discussed it's a far more partisan divide in Arizona, and uh, the uh, parties cohere in the Arizona legislature more than usual. But I also have believed that there have been opportunities that have presented themselves uh, for uh, Democrats to advance their agenda, which were unseized, uh, because unlike Alfredo, who looked for opportunities to advance policies, the uh, crop of Democratic leaders for a couple decades now have been more interested in using opportunities to score political points in the hopes of ultimately becoming the majority party. Um, Alfredo accepted election results as they were, accepted Arizona politics as it is, um, but um, seized opportunities to advance the
1: agenda that he thought best served the state. So I'm going to shout out a very influential sports figure. And that's because growing up me personally, I was huge into sports and some of my most vivid childhood memories are watching and playing sports, especially watching the Suns make it to the run to the finals in 1993. Um, and then in 2001, watching the D backs make a run thrilling run to the world series, beating the New York Yankees uh, in game seven. And uh, Jerry Colangelo was uh, hugely instrumental in in bringing both those experiences my personal experiences into reality and shaped my uh my life and brought a lot of a lot of joy in in watching sports and coaching became part of my profession so uh really appreciated those so this is not this is not an exhaustive list of what he's done with arizona or in the community but but for me here are here are some of the highlights he came to phoenix from chicago Uh, in 1968, and at the time he was the youngest general manager in all of sports at that time, and uh, ran the team for a while. I think he even coached. uh, He he did briefly. (laughs) Coached a little while, Uh, but then in 1987, got an ownership group together and and purchased the team. Uh, Shortly thereafter, he helped uh, get a downtown Phoenix Stadium built uh, through mixed revenue sources, including uh, some taxes on tourism. Um, and I read that in 1993, the year they made the finals, the Suns were the, they had the 17th biggest market, uh, in the league, but they were number one in that, in that year in terms of revenue brought in and also was, uh, played a huge role in bringing the Diamondbacks uh, into town and, and getting the stadium built at the time. It was the most innovative stadium, uh, in the country had a a retractable roof and an indoor pool. Uh, and I think we can, people debate the merits of publicly funded stadiums. And uh, many in Phoenix I know were upset by the sales tax increase. But I mean, there's no denying that the cultural and entertainment benefit of of having your own professional sport, uh, sports team is huge. And I, you know, I have always appreciated having the D-backs downtown and, uh, and Jerry was very effective in navigating the political sphere and Uh, and making that vision a reality. In a previous
0: life, um, I actually played a um, minor ancillary role in working with Jerry on uh, getting the baseball stadium uh, authorizing legislation and implementing it at the County Board of Supervisors enacted. Uh, And um, he was a model uh, CEO, very, very impressive. Uh, We had lots of strategy sessions and he uh, kept abreast of things sufficiently to make the major strategic decisions, but he did not micromanage. Uh, He trusted his people to get the job done, until uh, you would reach a position where it needed to be micromanaged. And then he stepped in uh, with uh, great skill and dexterity. So both the business acumen uh, struck me, but also the generosity of spirit. Uh, he uh, simply has a uh, inclusive um approach uh, to people Uh, and uh, you saw that not only in the success of his teams uh, but uh, the loyalty that he inspires uh, in anyone who uh, works with him. In in that same vein, uh, sort of another Arizonan who I would shout out to, uh, who is significantly less known and probably forgotten today, but I think epitomizes a lot of what makes Arizona what it is, is a guy by the name of Lou Weitzman. Uh, Lou uh, was a resident of Scottsdale at a time when there weren't many residents in Scottsdale in in the early uh, to mid-1950s. A home in his neighborhood burned down and nobody showed up to put it out. So he... Uh, created a subscription fire department that ultimately became Rural Metro Corporation uh, and a substantial presence in the fire and ambulance uh, market, not only here in the Phoenix metro area, but uh, other places around the country. Uh, When Lou was running it, it was extremely innovative, Um, figured out, ways to more efficiently and effectively uh, do the job of a fire department, uh, even though it was a private business. So it, it, that was an unusual, <laughs> remains an un- re- unusual way to uh, deal with uh, firefighting. Um, Rural Metro lost its way uh, and uh, I think became a shadow of the innovative organization that uh, Lou Weitzman uh, founded and led for many years, but that uh, can-do, innovative spirit, mm-hmm.
1: I think, captures what has made Arizona what it is. Yeah. That <clears throat> using that to transition some some inspiring and, and people that I think all those people we mentioned have uh, not only new ideas or, or create creative ways to approaching, but kind of intensity and also the ability to build coalitions and, and be positive and, and work together. What do you see as uh, distinguishing Arizona right now in terms of our government or politics from other states?
0: What has, I think, always distinguished Arizona and particularly the Phoenix metropolitan area uh, is the that you don't need to know somebody, you don't need to come from some legacy family, um, it's open. Uh, anyone can come here, apply themselves, and pursue their own dreams and succeed. Um, we've always been a very open society, an open economy, uh, which is remarkable, becoming a metropolitan area of over 4 million people. So I think that's been our defining uh, characteristic I'm sometimes asked about the criticism uh, that there doesn't seem to be any central plan or focus or image for the Mm -hmm. Phoenix metropolitan area and what I think distinguishes us is that everybody gets a chance to pursue their own dream and their own plans Uh, uh, without obstacles and as I say without having to know somebody uh, in order to to get ahead, it's who you are, not who you know here. Whether we can retain that um, as we've become a very large metropolitan area, I think the 12th or 13th largest metropolitan area in the country, in the top 100 metropolitan areas in the entire world, um, that's tough to, to retain. And I sense that we're kind of losing that individualism Uh, and uh, you can make it on your own, uh, but um, stay out of your neighbor's business. I I, I sense that we're starting to look for more of a communal, um, and not the positive sense of that word, uh, approach to things. We certainly are now in the business of subsidizing businesses, uh, not just baseball stadiums or, or professional sports stadiums, Big time. Um, prior to talking about downtown 2011, Phoenix, right now, well, you, you've you've got you, you've got all the cities uh, giving away property tax uh, to favored businesses. At the state level, I think it was in 2011, we adopted a long laundry list of giveaways and subsidies to businesses that the Arizona Commerce Authority can um, toss. Uh, to certain favored businesses. And we've lost the sense of creating a level playing field um, where you get ahead, again, not by who you know or or how politically favored your business is, uh, but by your own industry and your own success and being able to serve consumers. So I'm a little worried that we're losing uh, that uh, distinctiveness that I think has made us a place, despite the fact of all the woe is us um, rhetoric that you hear uh, in the state uh, and in the metropolitan area, a place that other people continue to flock to. And that's because it is a place of fresh starts, new beginnings, no obstacles. Right.
1: One thing I see, I mean, just as an educator, is the innovation and those opportunities within education and and the school choice movement. I think in terms of education, we need that, you know, it's things aren't working the way it it should be. Um, and we need to, we need to experiment and make changes and have the freedom to do that. I also think it's good to have kind of the pushback. People care about education a lot. So kind of the, um, the save our schools kind of pushback. I think that's good. And I think it makes, it'll make the, school choice folks uh more critical in the the way they're doing it and we have a few schools closing right now no doubt there is some abuse in the system and we need to make it better but it's a it's a positive movement that i see and i think it will give the opportunity asu collaborating a lot um with with innovation in different different schools Um, school i'm working at it's going to be an asu uh prep charter school uh next year um, but we do need to retain the the high quality integrity in terms of our education. And I see the, see the oppositional groups is, is keeping, keeping that in check and keeping people honest. I want to say before we get to the trivia, I want, <laughs> I just want to say uh, a couple more things. We didn't, even, I have this uh, list of, of other things about Jerry Calangelo. I think it's pretty remarkable, especially for me as a basketball fan, um, not only was he, you know, the owner uh, bringing baseball to town and, and guiding the Suns uh, to a lot of success, but when the, US, the USA Olympic team, uh, when they had that debacle after 2004 where they won the, bron- the bronze medal, they they the Olympic squad turned to Jerry Colangelo and they said, we need to, you know, straighten this ship out. So he brought serious kind of a more serious approach to it, uh, required a commitment of the players. It was a long-term building project. They would play in the, uh, in the summer tournaments before the Olympics. They brought in Coach K, uh, the, the Duke coach, and they ended up winning then for the next Olympics, winning gold medal in 2008, uh, and then again in 2012. So just a trusted figure there. And, and then he got turned uh, to, to help Grand Canyon University here transition to the Division I and has really brought you know he brought uh, dan marley thunder dan in to coach that team uh kind of helped bring him in and it's very very special atmosphere there crazy fans i mean opposing teams like how where the heck did this come from <laughs> um and now he's advising his role right now is advising the 76ers in philadelphia who've made a a uh, remarkable revival lately and are one of the most exciting teams. Yeah, maybe the Suns should hire yeah, maybe, him as an yeah. advisor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jerry, come back to the Suns. We need you. <clears throat> so are you ready for some trivia questions?
0: Probably not, but
1: <laughs> I'll okay. give
0: it my best shot.
1: <laughs> so we will finish here with some trivia questions. What is the official Arizona neckwear? Easy. It's a BOLA
0: tie, which See, which I frequently, <laughs> that, that is my
1: preferred uh, net, neckwear. This was actually a test because I was actually testing whether it was BOLA or BOLO tie. Well, I, I, I once made the
0: mistake. Even It's more commonly known in other parts as a BOLO tie. I made the mistake because that's the prevalent... Um, use or, or or term of writing one time BOLO tie uh, and got inundated with uh, outraged letters uh, about my you know, failure to call the official neck neckwear of Arizona by its proper name, which is BOLA tie.
1: So officially, it's a BOLA with an A. Correct. Tie. Glad we straightened that out. You know the official state amphibian? I do not. Arizona tree frog. A couple more.
0: Do you know? How, how about the bird? I know the bird. Okay. What is the bird? Cactus wren.
1: Ding 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 ding. <laughs> um, what is the hottest temperature ever recorded in Arizona? I think I might have been playing
0: golf on that day. One hundred and twenty-one.
1: I think that's the hottest in Phoenix. Oh, okay. The hottest in Arizona was actually 128 in Havasu, Lake Havasu or Havasupai City or something.
0: I'm glad I wasn't playing golf in Lake Havasu that day.
1: <laughs> and then I'll uh, we'll finish here with the basketball question Who has the record for the all time points for the Phoenix Suns? I would like
0: to say Walter Davis. You got it right, Walter Davis. Um, Boy, I loved I'll, watch watching that guy play basketball. It was a always, real gift.
1: He, he played at the old school madhouse at McDowell. Yep. Before they got the the stadium the stadium built.
0: Before we had kids, your mom and I had uh, season tickets. <laughs> well, sorry to break the fun there.
1: Well, thanks to everyone for listening this week celebrating Arizona's birthday with us, and we'll see you next week.